Mandy, you know, obviously, you know, music's all around and people love music and they sing along and everything. But can you remember the time that music became something more important to you? Absolutely. I was four. And my mom had put me in a choir class um, at church. I think she just wanted to get rid of me for an hour. And uh, so I was in a room with adults and they handed me the sheet music. And I have always been a hard of hearing child. And so my norm is lip reading people and guessing what they're saying and feeling afraid to talk because I'm afraid of being wrong. And so sitting in a room full of a bunch of people and having the actual words in black and white in my hand Mm. and knowing exactly what people were going to say, Mm. it was this moment where not only is music beautiful, but it was the birth of this idea of creating community and being a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's Mm. always been the driving force of me and my passion with music is the community of music. Well, I suppose the way you're describing it sounds like you were able to become a part of that musical thing, like you were in essence very much part of it because you had the words in front of you, the music in front of you, and you were just another element in that beautiful sound. Well, music is really brilliant in the way that it really doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is, how much money you have, color of your skin, your political beliefs, how you cook your eggs. (laughs) Every single person um, has the ability to be connected with music. And it's something that is very human. Um, Whether you can hear, whether you cannot hear, it is kind of a part of your DNA. And it's the, the one thing that is easy to understand that kind of pulls everybody in together. And so being a person who has always felt very on the outside, um, that wall dropped and I just got to be a part of something beautiful, but also a part of the world. I got Mm -hmm. to be a part, not just an outsider looking in. Right. You mentioned a little while ago that you were hard of hearing. And that's why that experience was so wonderful for you. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about your hearing journey? Yeah, I've uh, struggled with it since I was born. I didn't immediately turn to sound when I was born and I've had a lot of surgeries. My, My entire childhood, there was always kind of overshadowed by getting tubes put in, tubes taken out, my eardrums not vibrating, how many ear infections was I going to have? Everybody else is going to play in the pool, but I had to be at the edge of the water with the plugs with a full head wrap and I wasn't allowed to get my head wet, anything below my neck. And even to this day, like when I wash my hair, I lean my hair back, my head like really in a weird way so that there's no water gets inside my ears. And it's always been this shadow that has followed me of as you get older, your hearing will get worse. And at some point in your life, you will lose your hearing. And so I worked harder. I just, I cherished music so much. And because I couldn't necessarily always hear the differences between this part and this part, I I had to study it more. Hmm. And I worked my butt off with music theory. And I had this incredible opportunity to go to college for vocal music education. And the first month that I was there, 
I was unable to understand my teachers talking anymore. Mm. And things really started to progress really quickly. And over the course of nine months, I went from being hard of hearing to profoundly deaf and being dropped from the music program. And for all intents and purposes, the music just died. Wow. Tell us a little bit more (sighs) about that time in your life when you were going through that and how you, you know, you you went through it and overcame that that situation yeah yeah uh, you know it's it's one of those things that when you're in it you don't understand how bad it's gonna get or or how how you're gonna get through you're just kind of hyper focusing on one moment at a time and um for me what we didn't know at the time was i have a connective tissue disorder and i was having a lot of other surgeries on my body because I was falling apart and my body's reaction to those surgeries it caused it to fight itself. So this we didn't know. Mm-hmm. All we knew in the moment was I went from being hard of hearing to every single morning that I would wake up, it seemed like I could understand less and less and less. Right. So it was very and, aggressive and progressive loss. Yes. And so I, I got tested I got tested, let's say, October, Hmm. then I would get tested two or three weeks later, and it would be worse. And then I'd get tested a month later, it would be worse. By Christmas, I was legally deaf in both ears and getting fitted for hearing aids, which to me was my hope. It was the my last chance of being able to stay in college in education for music, the only thing that I've ever been focused on. Hmm. And I wasn't that kid that had the privileges of having their parents pay for everything. Like I was that I was that annoying child who did every car wash, who sold wrapping paper to their neighbors, mm-hmm. who showed up and cleaned toilets right. and so that I could afford to do a voice lesson, you know? Mm-hmm. So I worked hard to be there. And so for me, I was just like, I'll I'll do anything. And um it just wasn't enough. So I spiraled. I wish that I could say that I was the type of person who saw adversity and was just bucked up internally confident and be like, so my life is changing. Right. It'll be beautiful anyway. I <laughs> I wasn't that person. I think that's I, called toxic positivity. I think you have to have that moment of grief. Um, denial and acceptance and all those things first before you can move through the next step, right? It's difficult because nobody wants to deal with you in that phase, though. Mm. Like, I needed to mourn the loss of who I was because my life will never be that person again. And for all intents and purposes, she died. And I am a new person now. And I needed to mourn who I was. And it wasn't dragged out for years and years and years and years, though mm. there were aspects of it that were. Um, but people are really uncomfortable when they're around somebody who's struggling, which I think is very odd because everybody struggles. Everybody mm. understands loss. Everybody understands pain. Not everybody understands joy and hope and love. Mm. It's the one, like the one real thing about life is that we get that part. We all but we're struggle, so uncomfortable yeah. being around it. Yeah. yeah. The fact that but we all I, struggle I right a lot. Now. Yeah. I wonder, it was very difficult. I sort of have a bit of a twofold question for you here. 
Sure. You said you, you went from hard of hearing to profoundly deaf whilst yeah. you were actually studying vocal training as a singer. Yeah. I wonder if you could some way sort of give us an example for us to understand better what that level of hearing was like to be hard and then profound and then how that act uh, what's the word I'm um, affected your singing because I don't think people who have hearing who are of hearing could understand um, right. the connection to hearing singing well if you can sing now why can't you keep singing what's mm. the problem I don't understand you know right well so when I was when I was hard of hearing when you um, you would sing in a choir I sang in choir and uh, I wouldn't necessarily hear the person standing next to me but I still could hear myself I had to like focus in pull my if you if you take your your fingers and you you kind of put push your ear out and you can create an echo chamber with oh. yourself and it mm. amplifies the sound i could still hear myself and so um what i would do is i would memorize every single person's part in in the choir not just mine i would memorize every section so that i could understand where they would be even if i couldn't hear them i knew where they're going to go and where they were going to be so that i didn't have to worry about that and then i would hyper focus on what i could understand which is visually i watched everything happen visually i was very in tune with the conductor mm. and i i just worked really hard to memorize and um with a lot of dedication on music theory. I focused a lot on trying to find specific notes and be able to sing them at a drop of a hat and and do it that way. Um, when I was dropped from the music program, it happened in one singular day. Mm. And what that looked like was I went to music dictation, which is a part of theory, which is where you listen to something and then you write it out in score form, note by note, rhythm by rhythm and it was piano mm -hmm. so we had the key signature we had the first note and then we were supposed to wait and then listen and then chart out what he was playing and I was staring at the teacher and he was staring at me for a very uncomfortable amount of time we just stared at each other and then I looked around the room and noticed that he's staring at me because I'm the only person who hasn't started and everybody else is finished right, right. because he had already played the piece right. and I didn't recognize that he had even started. I couldn't hear the piano enough to even know that notes were being played at all. Right. And so I was dropped from the music program that day. And uh, so devastating. It was, I was numb. At, I think for a little while I was numb the, the weirdest part about it was is that it didn't make sense. Like I was there, I saw it happen, mm. and then I had the piece of paper in my hand, and I'm walking back to my dorm room thinking this is a dream, this mm. couldn't be real, I can figure this out. I had a little burst of hope, like it's, I'm gonna, I'll, there has to be a way, right. you know, and then 
there was a bicyclist who was coming up behind me and it was winter time and he hit he hit a piece of ice and he couldn't get out of the way right. of me right. and so he was yelling get out of the way and i did not hear him because he was behind me and I, mm. I didn't hear him mm. and we collided into each other and it crushed my hearing aid so i have this broken hearing aid in one hand and this muddy paper saying that you're no longer accepted in the other and i'm battered and bruised wow. and it all hit me at once and i was like oh my god i am never going to wake up and have a day where i feel like i can understand what's happening I will never have a moment where I can just sit in my room and listen to my favorite song. And I will never be able to communicate the same way. It's over. It's done. And it would just all hit at one time. All in the same day. Well, you know, like, because I had lost so much hearing over nine months. So it, mm. it wasn't an instantaneous loss it was quick but it wasn't like i woke up in the morning and it was gone mm. but i lived in denial for such a long mm. time and i was fighting so hard to keep up that i didn't realize how far down the rabbit hole i had actually gone until that moment until, until that moment literally that you were you were crushed by the bicyclist but it was a realization of of where you were really actually at Right, because I had hearing aids, mm. I had hope, and they were crushed, but at the same time, they did not help me in either one of those situations. Mm. Mm. It wasn't a fix. It it's, it's a tool at best, but it can only amplify what you have, and if you don't have anything... It's redundant. They're not helpful. Mm. Right. So where, or, or how did you go from sort of that moment to good stuff to to yeah. to exactly. you to know like to good stuff and to like to stuff, yeah. yeah being on a show and singing and music actually right. being your thing in your life and now at this point where you're at right now yeah that progression yeah i so i moved back home i left i left college that was devastating but it was part of life i signed up for asl classes american sign language classes and i started community college uh, with my younger sister sam and I started to get involved in the deaf community and learning a language, which now I had my sister and we were communicating. And so that that gave me such a lift off of my heart of I I'm broken, I'm stupid, no one cares, into this understanding that no, no, no. I might be broken right now. I'm not stupid. People care. I'm just different. And and then going and meeting real examples of people who were doing things that I wanted to do to understand that it wasn't a death sentence mm. to be different. Um, it really changed my head because the first thing that you see is when, when something happens to you that is negative is, is people just keep reinforcing the negative. Mm. You'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able to do this. You cannot do this. You cannot do this. You cannot do this. You cannot do this. The issue is, is the only person who knows what you're capable of is you. Mm. And so if you allow other people to tell you who you are, mm. you'll believe that you are 
and a limited box of potential. Mm -hmm. And that's all you'll ever stay. I needed somebody to open the lid and remind me that I have control over my life. Mm -hmm. And so I started, I started learning. I started to become educated with the fact that you can be successful. You can find ways to communicate. You can be an artist. You can be a musician. You can be a doctor. You can be whatever. Just because you can't hear doesn't change your heart. Mm. And then my dad was struggling at the same time with the loss of his father. And so he asked me to play guitar with him, mm. which initially I didn't want to do. But um, I said yes, because he's my dad and I love him and I respect him. <laughs> And uh, what are you going to say? N no. Um, and so we were playing, we were playing guitar in the basement. And it was the first time that I really paid attention to the vibrations of the instrument that I was creating. Mm -hmm. And I could feel it on my fingertips. And as I'm holding onto this instrument, I could feel it rumbling down my arm. And I became very aware that I'm the one who gave up on music, that music just didn't disappear. Right. And that even if I just play a tambourine to nothing, mm -hmm. um, I can still find a way to be involved with the thing that made me feel alive. That gave you joy. It gave me it gave me a real sense of of my identity, like being able to express myself with music is the only thing that has ever made a great deal of sense other than my faith in my family mm. and so it was it was such a weird absence to not have it in my life mm. prior to joining community college and, and when you were actually studying um music in a different way were you very distanced or separated from the uh deaf community or hard of hearing community because you said you well, were learning um, sign language when you joined it's not, it's not a massive group mm. and so if you're if you're in um, a large city you can find people who are deaf but you know in my hometown where I was at the time I didn't really know anybody you know, I, I had not really been fully exposed to it. My dad had a roommate in college who was deaf, so he knew some sign language. My mom, because of just her own passion, she had done music and signing for a very long time. And because I was aware that I would potentially lose my hearing uh, as a kid, I had an interest in the language, but I didn't know anybody personally who was deaf and um you know uh when i did finally meet a couple of people at the college where i was losing my hearing i became very introduced to the politics of the group oh. and um the people who i met were on a far extreme to saying that because i wasn't born deaf i wasn't actually deaf and that I was not accepted into being allowed to be around them. So even and, within the uh, deaf, so even within the deaf community, there's discrimination. Uh, absolutely, well, with with the people right. and any group of people has right. discrimination. Right. Um, so unfortunately for me, my first experience with the deaf community was discrimination. It wasn't until after I started learning sign language and then getting introduced to. Uh, 
uh, silent dinners and and hangouts where it was just a bunch of different people mm -hmm. that I found so much love and acceptance and and people being on quite a large spectrum of their own journeys of how they lost their hearing how how much hearing they have lost and right. the hierarchy of that that's inside of it it's mm. quite bizarre because mm. at the time i was one of the most hearing impaired in the room based off of decibel count right. um but i had no experience in the culture so i was in this weird limbo stage mm. of not really fitting in there either. I had to earn my stripes. It's always hard when you're trying to be in a part of a community, um, not quite fitting in, but then the community you're supposed to be coming from, you don't really fit in there and having to find your, your own squad, that in itself is a huge emotional mental challenge. Yeah. But obviously you're you're made of metal or steel because somehow or other you 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 found your way and your your group of people that were going to be kind of the the wings that would lift you up enough for you to be able to get back on track when it comes to sort of music so mm. tell yeah. us how this idea of you going back to music properly not just you yeah. know picking up a guitar and strumming it and feeling vibrations but really like writing music perform performing it in front of crowds performing it i know you know oh on stage at a competition i so it was a bunch of me saying yes to things and not being able to take them back and then having to figure <laughs> it out um if i'm all honest like so a lot of people say that you're like i must be made of steel truthfully i'm just made of people pleasing and 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 love from other people um but i was asked by my dad to learn a song to sing and so i was like fine i'll figure it out why not what's the worst that could happen mm. so i found sheet music my sister found a song and then i had a guitar tuner and i would sing notes into the guitar tuner till the lights turned green and then I would feel the vibrations that I was creating on my throat and mm. find which ones were the strongest and isolate it and then mark my throat off. So if I was wow. singing a C, it would vibrate more here Then I would know that I was singing a C. Wow. And then I would move up the scales and put marker all over my face um, <laughs> for where things tickled and, and felt the most so that I could do it tactilely. Mm. Um, that pushed me into recording a song in the basement with my dad, giving it to my old local coach. She pushed me to sing at a jazz club um, because I started taking voice lessons again for some reason. Because she asked me to and I said yes, and she didn't charge me for them. So I was just like, okay. <laughs> um, and I, growing up, because I was shy, I was painfully, painfully not okay with having people stare at me. Um, I used to vomit and pass out Whoa. having to give presentations. So now <laughs> I'm standing in a dining area of a jazz club, a high level, you know, where like the food is like more than my rent, you know, um, <laughs> and I have the potential of just mass vomiting on everybody. Um, but I sang one song. I sang My Funny Valentine. And I just told myself right before it started, I was like, what's the worst that can happen? My biggest mm. fear already came true. Mm. What can they take from me at this point? Mm. 
So I went for it. And I was still very bitter when I first started music. I, mm. They asked me to come back. I started singing there every week. Mm -hmm. um, then I started having concerts there and then having concerts in a couple of other places in Colorado. And I still had that mentality of what's the worst that can happen? They've already taken everything from me. Mm. You know, it was still that's still a negative attitude. Right. Then I met a gentleman named Eric Weinmeier. He's the first blind man to climb Mount Everest incredible human being he's done so many different things mm. uh, and he he's the reason why i started writing music because he asked me why i wasn't doing it and uh i said i was afraid and he's like well what's the worst that can happen mm. and i was like fine <laughs> I, yeah I so i i sat down and i wrote try and uh didn't expect anybody to hear it mm. but i had a gig the next day uh, and then I was recording an album the day after. Right. And so I played it for the first time at Dazzle in Denver, just cause. Mm -hmm. uh, and my saxophonist who was recording with me is like, you should record it and put it on the album. Why not? It's like, not? okay, why not? And so I did. And um, I was... I was doing all these like random speaking things, but inside being very bitter. And then I got asked by Eric and I was asked by my dad and I was asked by those people who loved me and knew me really well. What do you want to do with your life? And um, I said that I want, want to encourage people. I want to show a different side of what a disability looks like. Mm. I want to be a living example that it's okay to fail, that you have the ability to get back up again. I genuinely want to make people smile. And so they said, well, why aren't you telling your story? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Hmm. And it was because I was afraid and I was angry. And so I, I had to let go of being angry hmm. because there wasn't anything to be angry about at that point in my life. My life had changed. Yes. It was dramatic. Yes. Is it still valuable? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it still beautiful? Yes. Are you going to wake up tomorrow and put a smile on your face? Yes. So let it go. Mm -hmm. And then I got this opportunity to audition for America's Got Talent. And initially, I didn't want to do it because that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I, I could attest I mean, to that. I mean, you could yeah. vomit on them. That yeah. would have been my gift, you know. I could project how vomit and hit Simon Cowell in the face. Um, no, but I, I got asked by those people again. It's like, what do you want to do with your life? Why would you not want to do it on this scale? So I said, okay, what's the worst that can happen? So you said another yes weird, that you couldn't take back. I know, I couldn't take it back. This is this is the, the pinnacle part for me. I was sick as a dog. I had bronchitis. Oh my gosh. I was like taking shots of honey in the back of the stage and trying not to die. And I remember right before walking out on the stage, I was repeating to myself, what's the worst? What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? And then I just stopped myself and changed the question. What's the best that can happen? Mm -hmm. What's the best that can happen by me putting myself out there, even if I make a fool of myself and get X'd off the show? Mm -hmm. If I can help one person start one conversation, mm -hmm. 
give one person one smile, even if it's at my expense. Mm. Yeah. Aren't I successful? So I just focused on one person. I didn't care about a golden buzzer. I didn't care about winning a show. I just wanted to be there for one person who might be having a really hard time. And I think that attitude has stayed with me ever since. I love it. I'm I'm so awe, in awe and inspired by you. I think that sometimes our motivation has to come from a negative standpoint. Being that bitter, angry person mm -hmm. actually helps us. No, it's not okay. I'm going to do this. I, I'm. Yeah. I, what else have I got to do? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we need that push from ourselves, and then it can flip over to receiving the good stuff. And 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 as you said, anything that propels us forward, whatever that yes. source of propulsion is, yes. as long as it ultimately moves us forward towards something good, it 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 did its job, it's, right? It's 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 divine motivation for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it's two choices. Yeah. Um, in in any situation, you have two. In, you can either do nothing and you know exactly what the outcome will be. Or you can do one thing different and have an endless possibility. Mm -hmm. And so when I was super angry and I was super depressed and the only thing that I could do is try to breathe in and out and wake up in the morning like that was an accomplishment mm -hmm. i remember the smallest things that i would focus on what is one tiny thing that i actually still like about myself right i like this one freckle that's right here mm -hmm. <laughs> that's it <laughs> awesome yeah. And then the next day, I couldn't pick that freckle. I had to pick something else. Eventually, I ran out of things to hate. <laughs> That's um, amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's safe to say that you've come a long way since that initial day when you were dropped from the, the music program that, that you Absolutely. were in. Absolutely right. And now that you're at the place that you're, that you're at now, a much better place, a more positive place, a place where you can actually affect change in other people's lives positively, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have when they discover you have a music career that uh, is undeterred by your by your hearing loss? What are the thing what are still the, some of the things people get wrong? Um well I'll go in a couple stages. As far as like the music industry itself, there's still a lot of barriers with that because they think that I'm a liability or that I'm going to be difficult to work with or that they're going to have to really work hard to hold my hand, that other people do things for me. Mm. Um, when in all actuality, I'm, I'm very, very competent and very quick and very studious. And I, like anybody else who has a disability, um, have created tools that work for me to overcompensate. And so I am the master of myself. Mm. So I don't need you to create solutions. I just need you to let me know what, what's going on so that I can create the solutions that are gonna work the best. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a struggle. I think one of the other struggles that I deal with is that um, people's lack of education of what disabilities look like is a very difficult thing because you expect a deaf person to be just like a mangled, helpless mess. Mm. They can't talk, they can't communicate, they're stupid. It's just how society has felt 
and has been told mm. for such a long time mm. that you know um you're broken mm. and um when they meet me and i can speak for myself because i had hearing for 18 years mm. i still can speak what they don't register is that i'm actually deaf because i can talk mm. and i am smart and i can do things on my own so people are very shocked they're like you can drive what? <laughs> sorry you, that sounds you, such you a ridiculous can have a, thing to ask mm. yeah do you know braille no it's like we're not all yeah. one disability just yeah. boiled into one bag you know like, yeah. it's a very difficult thing um and i get asked the weirdest questions all day mm. but um yeah i i don't know how to get past that one other than just to show up and continue to do what i'm doing um i think the lastly the other part is people forget the work mm -hmm. you know it's really cool to say you lost your hearing now you get to travel around the world and do music right but what they don't see is waking up early in the morning working on speech therapy every day working on scales every day mm. working hours and hours and hours on enunciation mm. and all of these different things that are very tactile every single day the hours of time that i put in to learn a new song that's not mine takes me anywhere between eight to ten hours wow. to learn a song that used to only take me five minutes right. mm. and i can go to sleep forget and start over as if it never happened because if you can't hear it and you've never heard it, mm. the memory for me mm. is not finite and written in. Right. So sometimes I have to relearn over and over. But um, for me, the work is worth it. I just don't think people understand how much uh, maintenance it is to speak this clearly. Yeah. Um, is just just the speaking part of it is countless amounts of hours on a daily basis. The amount to of speak clearly, and I don't do it for me. I do it for you. Right. It doesn't benefit me at all. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing how you've managed to um, really make it plain for anyone who's listening right now that the amount of effort that you've put into getting to where you are now is um, this amazing feat that you make seem um, easy. But it wasn't, yeah. and like you make it seem like it, it was almost effortless. But there is so much effort mm. that has gone into it, and that needs to be recognized as well. And now, just now, you mentioned how you were inspired by the uh, the person who was Eric? sight impaired who who climbed yeah. Mount Everest. You are now that person who now gets to inspire other people. You're just as inspirational as he is. I mean, the very fact that. This radio station halfway around the world in Malaysia is interviewing you right now to hear your story <laughs> is definitely a, a milestone and an indication of um, the, the person and the inspiration that you are. Well, thank you. It's, it's a combination of a lot of people who didn't give up on me and lent me hope when I didn't have any left. Mm. And without community, without people who had cheered me on, um, I don't know how long it would have taken or if I ever would have really found myself in music, at least, um, 
because I I very quickly gave up on myself. Mm. And um, I think that that is something um, people people really can resonate with is you don't have to be born brilliant. You know, the people who put in their 10,000 plus hours at any given craft become masters at what they do. Mm. And if it's important to you, you can put in the work and be brilliant. Yeah. You know, that's the it's an amazing thing about waking up in the morning. You have an opportunity to do something incredible. And uh, it's just a question of, do you want to or not? Yeah. It's difficult with musicians, though, because mm. everybody just wants to be famous. <laughs> Being famous is really crap, you know? Like, Being famous is tough, I'm sure. You, you mentioned... What is that? What does it mean? Well, you yeah. know, like, if if all you want to do is be famous as a musician, you're not a musician. You're a businessman. Mm. A mm. real musician has to do music regardless of if they make mm. any money off of it. It's just right. who they are. Right, right, right. I want to touch base a little bit more on this idea of community that you were mentioning earlier um, about mm. sort of feeling outside of it, uh, being sort of dismissed by who you thought was your community and then finding community which really brought the love and support into your life. How can we, as the hearing community, support yeah. those around us who are hearing impaired in yeah. our midst, who are struggling who are going through moments like your bicycle crash moment you know the realization moment are dealing with the downhill slope how can we be that kind of community that supports and helps yeah i, I think that every single person is so individual that if there's a person that you know that is very specific in your life the best thing to do is just be there you know it's not not necessarily like pounding on their door and bothering them all the time but asking them how you can be supportive even if that's just showing up and sitting there silently mm. you know um i i think that uh those are the people that i i connected with the most it was just knowing that i wasn't alone um helped so 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 much as far as people who are hearing impaired it's understanding that they're there um it's a very overlooked group mm -hmm. um you know it's not a visual it's not a visual um disability you can't see it so a person can walk by you and you have no idea that they can't hear you or not it's an right. invisible disability and so you naturally assume when something goes different that it must be them so it's like, if I walk into a grocery store and I don't see you and you say hello and I walk past you, you think I'm a jerk mm. because I didn't say hello back. Mm. Right. That never even pops into your mind that maybe I didn't hear you. Mm. And so it's just reminding yourself to pull back on judgment mm. and maybe think, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what's going on in their circumstances. Maybe I shouldn't be so quick to make those conclusions as to who these people are. Right. Always giving that person the the benefit of the doubt that that you know there's a whole other person with a whole other life that we we don't know what that person is going through. We've mm. we've really appreciated you yeah. joining us Mandy and sharing your story with us. It has been incredibly eye-opening for us to hear everything that you've been going through your whole your whole journey is amazing and speaking mm. of that journey um, what's coming up for you? Like, is there a gig that's coming up? Is there a new song or an album that's coming up? 
Absolutely. So I just had uh, an album that came out called Paper Cuts, and I did a bunch of music videos in ASL. So I signed a bunch of songs. I am. Um, I just finished recording a documentary, and that's going to come out in the fall. And I recorded a song for the title of the documentary. So that was really fun to do. I'm going to be doing a concert in Hong Kong um, in November with an orchestra, wow. which is going to be really fun. I last year I I was there for the True Colors Festival in Tokyo, and now it's the True Colors um, Orchestra concert in um, I think November fifth um, in in Hong Kong, which is going to be amazing. I'm trying to think of things that are over in over our neck of the woods. Our neck of the woods. I love it. <laughs> so, Mandy, tell me the the name of the documentary. Where can we find it or watch it? Is this a this a stateside thing or is it going on a network platform? I'm not. I I'm not entirely sure. I think it might be Netflix. Right. Um, <gasps> but so it's. Cool. I know. It's called Heroes, and it hasn't been put out there yet. So I don't know how much I can say about it. But well, I will. I will post about it as soon as I know more about it. Um, and maybe yeah, also come back and talk to us yeah. about the the documentary Absolutely. itself. We'd love to. Hey, well, you can hang out with me in a day. You need a third person. Yeah. You know, I'll be, I'll be part part of the crew. Absolutely. Be like, what's up? <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much again. We we're, we're wrapping it up right here, and appreciate you so much for uh, staying up yeah. this late to yeah. to entertain us with your life story and your journey as well, Mandy. We really appreciate you. Oh, I'm honored, guys. Thank you so much for asking and for letting me be a part of today. Thank you so much, Mandy. Um, good luck. We love your music. So can't wait to uh, hear more about your gig in Hong Kong. Have a great evening. Oh, thanks.